Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Caroline Maley and welcome to the Experience Creators where we interview people from all over the world with different expertises from different locations in different realities and ask them the question, what elements make up an incredible experience so that we in turn can create more impact in the experiences that we offer the people that we serve. Today my guest is Matthias Rodsevich, who is the founder and CEO of PR Lab, an integrated marketing agency specializing in scale-ups and the design industry, and one of the top 10 PR agencies in the Netherlands. Matthias is also the author of the books The PR Paradox, an educational and engaging study on the nature of PR today for those who are just starting out in the industry. Matthias's expertise is in B2B and B2C tech PR and marketing, and he has over eight years of vast PR experience in the corporate, startup, and agency environments. Matthias has worked for international tech clients such as Google Argentina and IBM, and today we are going to talk about the role of PR in helping enhance the experience that you offer. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's dive into the interview. Matthias, welcome to the Experience Creators. I'm so excited to speak with you today because as I was speaking to you earlier, I really am so intrigued uh, with the creativity of especially PR, and that really started when I was working with Cirque du Soleil and I was watching the publicist, every city that we went to have the most unique and fun ways how they were promoting the shows with the artists, with the local media, with the influencers. So that kind of sparked my love of PR. So I'm very excited to speak with you today about how we can really create more impact in experiences through using PR. So welcome to the experience creators. Thank you so much. What an honor to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. Of course, of course. Um, so tell us, we, everyone knows a little bit of an introduction about you, but uh, I'd love you to take the floor and tell us about you and about PR Lab and what you do. Sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so my name is Matias. I'm the founder of PR Lab, which, is, which started as a community of PR and marketing professionals in the Netherlands. Uh, we were just like a group of PR uh, professionals that wanted to learn about innovation in the field. And it got really big. So uh, right now we have over 1,300 members um, that basically the whole modus of, of, of us is just to get together and learn from each other and to kind of like learn from other kind of techniques as well and, and try to implement them in the, in the whole PR world that tends to be quite traditional and old fashioned. Uh, and I mean, at one point the community branched out and I created the, the first PR agency for startups and scale-ups, which, I mean, we try to, we try to, we try to say, I mean, we say that we reinvent PR for uh, startups and scale-ups. So we try to innovate it and make it work uh, for businesses that are growing and, and expanding and might not have huge budgets uh, and also don't have all the time in the world to, to work with traditional PR agencies, basically. And what was your, what was it that sparked your kind of interest in PR and how did you kind of move into that, that industry? Well, you know, it's funny because like, I always speak to a lot of people that, you know, they try different things and landed somewhere. For me, it was like, I studied PR at university. So since I'm very young, I always like to uh, 
I always liked VR, the idea of, of shaping an image, you know, and working with perceptions. I always liked that. I always liked the strategic part of things. Uh, I never really romanticize it as a lot of people that, I don't know, let's say they watch Sex on the City and they think it's all these like fancy going to events and speaking in public things. I always like the whole idea of, of creating, like shaping a, a perception, an image, you know, um, and working with reputations. So I always really liked it. So I started working uh, when I was like 19 for like two big tech corporate giants, like for IBM, then I worked for Google. And then uh, I, I don't know how I ended up working for a small startup, like a white combinator back startup in Amsterdam. And I, I really like the whole entrepreneurial side of things that the startup world brings along, you know, that you need to basically just like, you're on your own and you need to figure out stuff and nobody knows you. Uh, so I went from maintaining reputations to creating reputations. And that's something that I really, really, really like. You're one of those rare gems that actually is in the fields where the same that they went to university with your yeah. <laughs> Indeed, I indeed. I went to university, I did a health science degree in nutrition, you know, and I'm like oh. never I've never gone down that path professionally. So uh yeah, that's so interesting. And I love that idea about, you know, maintaining and shaping reputations and then also kind of creating them. You know, I mentioned Cirque du Soleil and it was so interesting to see how they were bringing that idea of promoting the shows to life. And, and it was always done in really unique ways. Obviously, Cirque du Soleil is a very creative brand. So they were doing, it was, it was highly, highly creative, but it was interesting to see the activation kind of downtown, you know, the, the artists would dress up in, in full costume makeup and not even perform, but just kind of go around town and, and uh, just, just cause a little bit of mischief. And, and, then, and then I love to see kind of that idea of um, brand partnerships as well and those local partnerships, you know, who are we also celebrating in the local cities that we were going to. And I think that's why I loved that idea of, it's interesting that you put it that way, like really maintaining that reputation or creating it, especially maybe in a place where the brand is maybe not so well known. Have you, have you worked with, with businesses or situations like that where you're going into almost like a new market where a company is potentially really well known somewhere and not, not so well known in, in the place that you're at? Yeah, actually all the time, to be honest. I, mean, I think if you take a look at our portfolio, uh, I really doubted that you would recognize many of the brands that we work with. And that is actually on purpose because we focus on getting these brands known about their target audiences instead of like the whole public. I think that idea of like, we want to be known, but everybody. Oh yes, okay. I don't know if it's, it's realistic and, and, and we work a lot with like B2C brands. So it's like, you know, I, I reckon doing PR for the Secret Leo is completely different that if you want to do it for a small startup that is really in need of engaging with an audience or growing or like raising funds, you know, getting in front of investors or like hiring talent, you know, they have like very particular needs that they want to tackle with PR. So we try to really focus on what's relevant for them, but ultimately we want to focus on helping them grow. So aiming for the moon is just being like, oh, I wanna, we want you to be known and seen by everyone. Then how do you measure that, you know? And that's why we try to maybe challenge a little bit that approach and become a bit more like laser focused on, on like attainable goals, you know? Mm. 
Yeah, I guess, because when you're working with, uh, especially for startups and smaller businesses, you know, they have a very specific target audience, right? Who they want to interact with, build trust with, have, you know, purchase or, or, or use their products. Um, yeah. What, what role, you know, we've spoken a little bit about it in a couple of examples, but what role does PR play really in bringing experiences to life? Like how, like from that really practical level, like what is their, what is PR's role in there? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Um, look, I think a brand is actually an experience, right? That's how I perceive it. Like when I talk to them, I'm like, okay, you are an experience. And as an experience, you, it's not only what you say, but what you do, what matters, right? Because you can say that you're doing an amazing thing, but if you cannot show me that you're doing that amazing thing, then I'm not gonna believe you. I'm not gonna perceive it, right? So we, in PR, we work with those perceptions, like with that reputation, you know, with that, like how we try to shape how people perceive you. Nobody's just like, you know, sharing complete bullshit around your brand, but like just to try to have this cohesive narrative around you, you know? So if you ask me what is the biggest like added value of PR is the fact that we actually tell your story in a way that people will care. And when we say people, we don't only talk about journalists, but we talk about your target audience. You know, we try to understand how to speak to them, what matters to them. We try to get to, to understand them and deliver what is that they're looking for, you know, because maybe you, you, it happens a lot that, you know, especially in the startup and scale up world, we work with uh, companies that have amazing products, like really cool products that they spend months or years working on developing, you know, and normally they come to us because they are like, look, we have these amazing products, we deserve all the attention, but we simply don't have it, you know? And maybe in the past you had like an amazing product, like the publicity will come your way, but that's not the case anymore. Like if you really need to fight for it, you need to, you really need to uh, basically fight for, there's a huge fight for attention. Like journalists are swamped with like press releases and pitches on a daily basis. And um, there's a lot, I mean, and the whole thing of like content skin, everyone is pumping content all the time. There's a lot of crap going on. So it's just because you have an amazing product, that doesn't mean that people would know you, you know? So it's really important to be proactive when it comes to your communication and proactive when it comes to telling who you are, but most importantly to tell it, to tell it in a way that people would understand. We, we work a lot with like complex software solutions that are amazing, uh, but we see that when these clients come our way, they've been always talking about features or like very, you know, like data stuff, you know, but that that's sometimes they miss the element of storytelling around it. You know, sometimes they miss the point of saying like, okay, this is why we exist. This is why we are here. This is what we're trying to change. This is why we're innovating in space. This is what that space is broken or that space needs to be like revamped, you know? So uh, <clears throat> that's what we actually help them with. With, and with, with like basically just sharing that story in a way that people will care. Let's say that's our jobs. <laughs> yeah, right. And like you said, bringing that kind of human connection into it and where yeah. the consumer can see themselves as part of that business or, or, yeah. or interacting with that product. I, love, I, I, I agree with you. And I feel like, you know, even me with, with the things that I create, you know, I, I think that on the storytelling side, like I, 
I'm good at that part, but it's like, how do you integrate that into the brand and then get it out there? Like you said, you know, I could have the best product in the world or think it's the best product in the world. Um, but if I'm not able to kind of get, get my foot in the door and, and, and find those little pathways within that maze, you know, then it, then it's, it's just, it just exists, um, right? It doesn't add value anywhere. It just kind of exists in the world. And the problems start when you have like very, you know, strong commercial goals, you know, <clears throat> and you get so focused on, I want to sell more, I want to sell more, I want to get new clients, you know, or you have investors behind you being like, sell more, expand this country, get all these leads out of it. And then you start applying metrics that are maybe like business development metrics or like digital marketing metrics into PR. And that's actually when it gets really challenging because like we are working with reputation we're building relationships and like in real life you know we don't put we don't, i mean we don't, I, I doubt that there's someone saying like oh yeah in this quarter i want to get all these things out of my friendship you know with this friendship i want to i want to like i don't know get make all this money or whatever like you don't use that for like relationships like a human connection you don't measure it in that way uh, well, it's the same with PR. We use our own set of metrics, mainly because we are building relationships. You know, we are building connections. We are getting your brand perceived in a certain way, and we're trying to build engagement. So engagement is not measured in clicks or, <laughs> um, I don't know, ROI. You know, like those things could work pretty well for like business development or maybe like online marketing, like growth hacking. But with PR, it's different. And I think the, the most challenging part of my job, even though you didn't ask me for it, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, <laughs> is uh, how to measure it, how to get people, I mean, getting people to understand it properly, you know? That's why I wrote a book about it. I hope, now I hope my clients, before they start working with us, I really hope they read the book. <laughs> so we get the foundation straight, you know, and then we get started. <laughs> so what are those kind of, like, what's a, very uh, real example of like one of the metrics that you might use you know you say that that's the biggest challenge in measuring like have you found yeah. one of the metrics that you continually use over and over again that is really hyper relevant yeah well before we before we even start talking about metrics we try to understand what are your business goals right so let's say you have an amazing product as I just mentioned like I have the best product in the world so when you come to us, I, we always ask you like, okay, why is that you want to do PR? What, what are your business goals, right? Because that will determine the whole strategy, basically. And there are different types of PR strategies. You can work with uh, a brand awareness type of strategy when you want to be known and seen by your target audience. Let's say you're expanding into a new market, for example, and there are competitors there uh, that have been there for many years and nobody knows you. Or let's say that you're launching a new product, you know, and people don't know about it. Well, those are more like brand awareness type of campaigns. You know, that we focus more on getting you to be seen and known. Then there's another type of campaigns that are called thought leadership campaigns. And that's when you actually want to be seen as a thought leader. You want to be leading the space. And those are different types of strategies that are more integrated with the rest of the funnel, the, the marketing and sales funnel, rather than on just brand awareness. So we not only focus on getting press coverage and mentions and, 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 and you know, getting clicks and traffic, but we focus more on the perception around you, you know, on positioning you as a thought leader, on getting you interviewed to share your insights, on, on developing hypotheses that you want to um, prove in a certain niche of in a certain like niche of, of, of market that you operate in, you know, and um, 
for that, we try to get you to speak at events, to create communities around your brand, you know, to, to basically build brand advocacy, you know, to create a group of people that are really engaged with your brand. And uh, yeah, basically to work with your reputation in a sense that you become sought after by the industry instead of you always chasing uh, journalists and chasing people, uh, you know? Uh, and that is actually, let me tell you, that's hard work, you know? And those are long-term strategies, you know? They're not just like quick, instant. And we live in, in, in times that everything is quick and everything needs to be shown and, and, and proved like as an in, instant results, like cost per click, you know? CAC, uh, CPC, CTR, all these like fancy marketing terms, but those are very like short term, you know, which are great. I'm not, I'm not criticizing them. I'm saying that you cannot apply those to PR because we're working with reputations and those take time to build. Yes. Um, so we, that's when we actually start talking about uh, metrics. We ask our clients, okay, what would you consider success? Would you be happy if we get this type of results? You yeah. know? And um, aligning on expectations is everything, you know. I, I'm gonna ask a bit of a selfish question because I'm currently, I've currently oh. launched an experience and yeah. everything that you just said, like my brain is spinning right now, but I have a leadership program for new managers yeah. that are coming up in their, you know, their first management role in, in service-based industries. And my end user, these new managers, are not necessarily going to be the buyers because the buyers in my mind are the CEOs, the talent managers, the HR managers, the business owners. And so when I'm thinking about this experience that I'm creating and, and, and to your point before about that kind of thought leadership space, like I want to be known for this incredible program, you know, I'm kind of in this middle of I can speak really clearly and really well to my end user because I used to be them, you know, I see myself in them. So it's very easy to talk about storytelling and, and to really kind of connect with them. But yeah. I know from a business point of view that I really have to target these CEOs, these talent managers and, and that, and that kind of group. So what happens when you, you know, when you have that, that different range of the two different people that you're speaking of, you know, from, from your PR perspective, where you're talking about kind of building that thought leadership brand, like how do you tackle that when they're kind of two different demographics? Yeah. And, and that happens actually a lot, you know, like I, I think um, most brands speak to different audiences, you know, like it happened to us, for example, in startup that I was working in, that we were, our product was basically like we were teaching, we were educating kids on, on, on coding, like HTML and CSS. So we had the target audience of kids, but the decision makers were the parents, yes. right? And the educators. So as a brand, you normally have different target audiences that you speak to, not one. And that is actually also an idea that people have like an utopy that it doesn't really exist. Like most brands speak to different audiences depending depending on uh, the time of, I mean, the, the calendar or what's relevant for you at that time. Sometimes you speak to both at the same time simultaneously. Sometimes you only focus on one um, and it just happens. So like the point is, what I would say is it, there's, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you have a clear messaging defined for each target group and you understand who you're talking to as a brand. Like, and for that data comes in really handy. Like we all use Google Analytics or like digital marketing tools that share a lot of data around who are we speaking to, who's coming to my side, what are the interests, what, are, what is the geography, what are the uh, location, like, like 
all these like metrics around them, like uh, things that trigger them to get in touch with you, you know, like uh, times of the days that could come to your site, et cetera. That, that, that shares already some data around who you're speaking to. So the point is just to define those audiences based on, of course, your perception and your understanding, because that's also that matters a lot because you are the one in touch with them constantly. But also you mix it up a little bit with data uh, to make it more objective, you know, that, that definition of the target audience. So like once you have your target audiences defined, that's when you actually come up with like a messaging structure for them. Like, okay, uh, you try to first understand what are their pain points, like what triggers them to get in touch with you, right? As I just mentioned, okay, these people are interested in this and they're struggling with this and hence I'm offering this. Uh, and then you come up with like a key messaging structure. Like, okay, every time I get in touch with them, this is gonna be my key messaging. You know, this is what I want them to know about me. And you just repeat it. You repeat it all the time <laughs> uh, across different channels um, in different formats. But the point is, we try to be proactive about our communication. And you will be surprised at how many brands are actually reactive. You know, how many brands are just sitting there and waiting for uh, people to reach out to them and then they share a messaging that is not consistent and consistency in branding and marketing and PR is key because it's ultimately what's going to create that, you know, um, perception of you, yes. you know, when you're consistent across your communication, not only your visual communication, because there's a lot of people talk a lot about consistent visual communication, but also written like copy, like you know like messaging in, in your messaging as well every time you have an interview every time you speak in that you have like a, a an episode of your of youtube um series you know every time you speak at an event you know it's important that you are consistent with the messaging that you're sharing with them and that you also measure it that you also test the words and see if they're actually perceiving you the way that you want to be perceived that's also quite important mm, okay um, i feel like Based on your answer, I feel like I'm on the right track. So that makes me very happy too. I think you are great at VR. I, I checked all your stuff and I think you are very consistent. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think you have a clear product offering. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Let's give, I want to um, pivot a little bit and give a, a practical example. So let's say yeah. that, uh, you know, I'm in the Mediterranean right now. You usually are kind of close by a little bit further north. Um, Let's say I'm a retreat company, you know, 2020 has obviously decimated my business. There's been no retreats, but you know, I'm optimistic now it's 2021. The European summer is just around the corner. And so, you know, I'm using, I'm using Instagram mainly, you know, and, and sharing um, previous experiences that I have hosted. And, and maybe I have a couple of different locations around the Mediterranean, but I really want to start harnessing using PR and, and maybe connecting with local media or, or going down a bit of a different strategy than just Instagram, let's say. So, you know, what, what are your, let's say maybe your first kind of two or three strategies that the very first thing you've never really gone down the PR road in terms of local media, maybe journalists, maybe a different, different strategies than Instagram give us your like top two three tips about how we can really get started what are the first things we need to do well i have two golden nuggets let's say key suggestions for you okay the first one is to not start thinking about the execution instagram is the execution instagram is a channel instagram is not a strategy okay and 
I'm not, I don't want to sound condescending when I say that, but like, I'm like every time, every time I speak to leads or potential clients, it's like, okay, but we don't know if we want to do Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or a podcast or this. There's so many channels. And I always tell them like, okay, but, but let's go a step before and let's focus on why is that you want to do PR? And I just, I just always ask if you, if you, if you like, which is like, listen to one of my, conversations with clients is always why I'm always asking like why why do you want to do PR first of all why do you want to do PR you know and that will already determine a lot of things and then the second question is who are you speaking to as a brand show me your target personas show me your if you don't have them figured out give me access to your analytics and I'm going to figure out myself you know I use different marketing tools to understand okay who's coming to your site who are you speaking to as a brand and then I come up with content pillars and key, me key messaging and structure, right? Wow. And after that stage, that's when I define, okay, we are gonna go for these channels, you know, because this, we can find these people in these channels. And sometimes it's better to just like narrow it down to one or two channels than to have several, you know, because you need to understand where can you find them and what is the best way to engage with them? You know, there are people that are more data oriented you know people that do like for example um like coding or engineers they really like to read about data and facts there are some other people like creatives that like to be inspired you know that are more prone to consume more like visual type of communication like infographics you know or like videos you know so you really need to understand okay what kind of content do they like to consume and in, in which platforms okay um and then Okay, this is where I can find them. And then you develop a strategy and then you test. Testing is key. You know, there are more, there, like for example, growth hackers really, really embrace testing, A-B testing, seeing what works, what doesn't, what works they double down on, what doesn't, they kill it. You know, they, they are conducting experiments all the time. Now, PR is more traditional in that sense. And we try to actually test all the time. You know, so it's very... What I would suggest to you is not to marry with an idea, you know, be um, open enough to test it and, and be consistent around it, but be also open enough to, to stop with it if it's not working and to start some, trying something new, you know? Um, and my second golden nugget is don't rely on only talking about your brand and your product offering all the time. If, especially if you wanna be seen as a thought leader, you need to talk about your space. You need to talk about what's happening. You know, uh, you need to shed some light, you know, about it. And there are a lot of brands that only talk about their campaigns, their products, their new features, their new solutions. And they forget that they're a part of an ecosystem. They forget they're part of a bigger uh, narrative, you know, of a bigger space. Uh, and that space is affected by political trends, by behavioral trends, by, you know, uh, different things are it's constantly being affected and modified and changed. And the idea is that you claim that space of shedding lights in what's happening around you because you and all the experts that I see in this uh, talk that we're having, most chances are that if you've been operating in space for a while, you are an expert. The point is to share that expertise with your uh, target audience as well, you know, and inspire them, but also um, talk about what's happening, shed some light, you know, and, 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 and be seen as a thought leader, you know, in that space, because you are ultimately the one that is navigating it and understands it, you know? So in short, what I'm trying to say is don't, I mean, try not to have your whole PR communication strategy to revolving around your product all the time. Try to 
you know, look out and see what's happening and, and start talking also about that. Yeah, I love that. And, and if we take that example of the retreat, you know, in the Mediterranean, yeah. I've gone on a couple of retreats in my life. And the reason I went on the retreat is because of the person. It's not because of, yeah, of course, the location and the activities and stuff like that. But the, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily go somewhere on an experience where I didn't know yeah. who the leader was and I didn't know what their expertise was, what they stood for, you know, their personality or, or what at least I can gather about their personality from online. So that makes total sense is, is really not, yeah, like don't focus 100% on, on what you're offering. That should be part of the, you know, that should be part of, I guess, the pie chart of like all the other elements and, and really coming across as, because what we said before, it's we connect with the human first, right? We won't connect yeah. with the product until we see ourselves in that brand or we see ourselves going on that experience because we're because of that connection element. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And you are trying to connect with an audience and that, 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 that it, you need to see it as a person, right? And that's what we talk about target persona because it's just like a person, mm. right? And that person has needs and has things that they like and things that they don't like and things that they struggle with, you know? And it's important to understand them, to engage with them in a human level, you know? And sometimes as brands, we forget that we're dealing with humans, right? And we forget about the human aspect of things. And um, I'm just gonna give you a concrete example because maybe it might this might sound a bit abstract to some people still. So look, uh, we are still navigating a whole pandemic, right? So when pandemic hit, uh, we were working with a platform educational platform for students, university students. So they could just go into the platform and share files with each other and, and like even like exams. And what I really like about working with them is that they had a, they were very bold about their uh, branding. They were like, look, we want to challenge the current educational system that relies still on memorization, forcing students to memorize stuff that they can easily Google. And right, and there's still some educators that use always the same exams and always the same things, but they don't teach critical thinking or skills that students need to have, right? So anyway, in short, the pandemic started and we had to get rid of the whole content NPR calendar and come up with a new one that was adjusted to the times that we lived in. So we started serving students. We're like, okay, what are you struggling with at the moment? You know, how do you feel? What do you feel about? your career opportunities, you know? Um, how is your mental health? You know, uh, do you feel, how do you feel about whole studying from home? Do you feel like your university is providing you with the right tools and resources for you to actually navigate these times, you know? And then out of all the data, we just create research reports that we would share not only with our target audience so they could see how their peers felt, but also we'll share the, those with, with the media as well. And be like, look, university students in these areas are struggling with this. In these areas, in comparison, they're, they're doing quite well. About technology, they feel that they have the necessary like tech tools, some others they don't, this region or these age groups or whatever. So we were just like shedding light in this space, you know? And uh, we would get lots of coverage because we were pretty much the only brand being the voice of the students, right? Um, but that was our goal, right? Our goal as a brand was to actually be the voice of students and and, and represent them, you know? And that's what we were doing, you know? So you're From a commercial perspective, yeah. You're connecting with those students, they can see themselves in that message, but then you're also connecting with all of those businesses and, and, and people that are serving the students, right? Oh yeah, yeah that's a great example. Um, yeah. 
Okay, I'm gonna finish with the question that I ask all of my guests. And, and that is what elements make up an incredible experience, an exceptional experience? I know it's super broad, but from your perspective, what elements make up an exceptional experience? That is such a hard question. <laughs> and I saw it in previous episodes and I'm like, oh, I wish he doesn't ask me that. But okay, here we go. <laughs> No, it's fine. No, look, I think, I mean, I said it already. I think a brand is an experience and the experience has to be, it's not only what you say you do, but when you actually can prove it, right? And I think that connection between what you say you do and that proof of what you do is what creates experience, you know? And uh, there's an element of surprise needed as well, of course, but also an element of understanding. When I feel understood and when I feel that I'm being listened to, and then that, that, that brand is delivering exactly what I need. I think that's an amazing experience to me, you know? And it sounds easy, but it's not because it requires you to shift your mindset from a, I'm the center of my ecosystem in the world and what matters is my commercial offering to what is actually that you need, you know? Am I actually able to deliver that, you know? Um, do I, I mean, do I listen to you or I'm just waiting to reply, you know? That, that's the big difference. Well, like, and like you said before, being like proactive versus reactive, right? Mm. Exactly. Being proactive, but also generally trying to listen to you and understanding what is that you need, you know, and, and, and looking at data and ways of, of, of delivering. And that is a constant changing field. It's not something that is set in stone, you know, that because it worked once, it will work forever. You know, always need to be testing new things and being open enough to, you know, uh, change your whole strategy or not you know so, yeah. oh that's such a great answer i love that well matthias thank you so much i mean this insight into kind of the world of pr and how we can really harness the spirit of pr to really bring our experiences to life has been incredible honestly like i'm itching to get my notepad now and just like <laughs> a bunch of notes about what i'm working on right now and how i can kind of like uh, tweak my strategy a little bit so thank you so much for for coming on and above all thank you so much for being an incredible experience creator yourself <laughs> thank you so much for inviting me and i would like to encourage everyone to uh, get in touch, you know, like if you want to bounce ideas of each other, whatever it is, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm always willing to help. Yes. And I'll have all of your, your information down below so people can get in touch with you and learn more about PR lab or just get in touch with you in general. So thank you so, so much. Thank you.